So, here we go on yet another player podcast. Welcome back, everybody. And today, I'm with a very interesting gentleman, as I normally am. But this guy, I think you're going to quite like. His name is Amir Gell, and all will be revealed in a minute. But the one claim to fame that Amir has is he brings or produces or buys or brings into the country the world's best coffee. Amir, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. We're here in London. It's a bloody cold day and we're in a coffee shop of all places. What else? Um, Now, I know the last time I invited to meet up with you, you were a bit distraught that I chose another coffee shop because you are quite a connoisseur with your coffee, aren't you? Well, I just, you know, I just wanted to try something nice, so you never know, so, but it's okay. Is this coffee all right? We're not mentioning where we are, we just, you know. Well, I'm drinking a lot of milk here, but it's it's good milk. So, (laughs) tell me, what makes a good coffee and what makes a bad coffee? Wow, that's a a difficult question. I mean, there's a lot of factors that can affect what makes a good coffee, be it the selection of beans that you buy and the way that you roast the coffee, the way that you brew the coffee. But I'm a personal believer that it all starts from origin. It all starts on the farm level. Right. So if the coffee is grown in good climates, in good high altitude, if it is processed correctly, and if it is then sorted according to grade. See, not a lot of people know, but when it comes to coffee, you've got, of course, Arabica and Robusta beans. Arabica being Arabica and Robusta. Robusta beans, yes. The Robusta being the more robust and the Arabica okay. being the one that are more flavorsome. And Arabica makes about 75% of the world's supply. But within those 75%, you've still got grades, primarily uh, commercial grade and specialty grade. Now, specialty grade uh, accounts to, uh, to about 1% of the world's supply of Arabica. And in order for a coffee to be graded or to be acknowledged uh, as being of specialty grade, of yeah. specialty Arabica, it had to have been professionally scored by a team of licensed graders called Q-graders uh, using a 100-point system that was created by the Specialty Coffee Association. So it's a bit like... If you take wine, for example, and you look at Robert Parker's 100-point system, yeah. so it's very similar in coffee. So um, using this 100-point system and using the sensory evaluation, any coffee that scores 80 points and over is deemed of specialty grade. And what we try to do a difference is we try to go country by country, mm-hmm. terroir by terroir, and identify from each country the one singular farm that has managed to produce beans that score higher than the other estates. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And in this sense, we managed to get some of the best coffees in the world. That's, that's pretty... So it's very similar to wine, in a way. Absolutely. I mean, it's very similar to wine. It's very similar to cigars. It's very similar to anything that grows, if you think about it. I mean, there's grades for, for every single ingredient that we, we put in our mouth, right? Yeah, sure. So it's the same thing here. It's just that not a lot of people know about it. So the stuff we buy in Waitrose or Sainsbury's, you know, the regular supermarket bag, it might say the very best, for example, not to mention that particular supermarket. But that type of coffee, would that be the very best or is it just a, a marketing ploy? Um, see, the thing is, is that there are a lot of terms used in marketing coffee. You've got, of course, people saying blends, yeah. primarily of Arabica and Robusta. So if it uses Arabica, it's, you know it's going to be quite poor. Then you've got people describing themselves as 100% Arabica. But still, like I said earlier, 
it can be very good Arabica, specialty grade, and it can be very poor then too. And then you've got people saying that they are the finest beans or premium beans or luxury beans or yes. gourmet beans, but all these are marketing fluff. The only uh, differentiation or the only real classification that you have in the industry is specialty versus non-specialty. Right. And if it says specialty Arabica on the bag, then it means it's really, really good it's in quality. That top percentage. It should, yeah, it's that 1% of the very finest coffees on earth. And if it says that, then it is good. And if it doesn't say that, well, I don't know, because who knows <laughs> what it's, what's inside, to be honest. So really, when we're shopping for coffee, um, obviously we buy it, majority of us buy it, if we're making it at home, pre-ground. Now, we, yeah, he's literally swallowed half his coffee in a go there. And <laughs> I personally don't, but a lot of people do buy the pre-ground coffee. Yep. Um, is, you know, the way you reacted there, obviously, it's not the done thing. Um, so what is the difference between the pre-ground and the bean itself? Well, I mean, it's the same coffee. So, for, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it's the same coffee. The reason why I reacted in this manner, <laughs> yeah. why I didn't like it, is very, very simple. For a coffee to remain fresh, or for a coffee to be tasty, it has to be fresh. Yeah. And what happens is, is that coffee, once you open the bag or once you open the tin, you will introduce it to oxygen and it will start oxidizing. Yeah. Now, the, if you buy coffee which is already pre-ground and you open it, it will oxidize so quickly that you lose a lot of the aromatics really, really quickly. Right. Okay. And that's why I always... Even if you put it in the fridge, sorry. Uh, well, there's still oxygen in the fridge. Yeah, of course. So it still oxidizes <laughs> in the fridge. Yeah. And the other thing that happens is it also degasses and coffee... Um, I mean, it's a natural reaction for coffee to degas post-roast because it builds a lot of gases during the roast. But what happens is, again, when you ground it, uh, it degasses quicker. So if you want to retain your fre the freshness of your beans, it's better to purchase them as whole and to, as grind, it and, and, and to grind them as, as and when needed. The other alternative, of course, is my personal preferred method in the way that we sell our coffee to consumers, which is in Nespresso capsules. Yeah. Because each capsule, basically, we single serve each portion, we grind the coffee to perfection, and we nitrogen flush each and every portion so that there's no residual oxygen inside the capsule. Yeah. And once you seal it, it doesn't allow the coffee to degas and oxidize. That's why it always keeps its freshness, and that's why there's always that beautiful cream at the end. Yeah. That little cream, because that cream is basically the reaction of the carbon dioxide, the, those gases that I was talking about, yeah. uh, that react with, the, um, with oxygen during the brewing. And that produces those kind of like little bubbly crema. This, shit. this is yeah, just I mean, so cool. <laughs> I always wonder what that little creme bit on the it's, top. It's pocket of air. If you if you listen to it, you can actually listen, hear little bubbles uh, no exploding. Shit, really? Yeah, yeah, you should. It's really really fun actually. Wow. Um, yeah, you're saying about the capsules. So basically, those capsules are probably the freshest coffee you're ever going to get. Um, well, the thing is, is that once you roast the coffee, it starts degassing and oxidizing quite immediately. And the question is, how do you stop that process? Yeah. Now you can, what we do in the industry is um, basically um, a few things. First of all, we'll take the beans and let's say you buy it, you buy it in bags. Yeah. What you'll find is that you, the, those bags would normally would have been nitrogen flushed to remove any oxygen and then they're sealed. 
So you stop it from oxidizing. But yeah. then, like I said, when you open the bag, you then the oxidization then starts. Absolutely. Yeah. The second thing that happens is if you notice these bags, they always have this little one-way valve. Yeah. And that one-way valve is there to allow the coffee to degas, otherwise the bag will explode. I never knew that. The thing is, I is thought it was for us to smell it when we were buying it. That's what people think, but in reality, it's oh, actually wow. allowed to, to the, the coffee to degas. So, over time, what will happen is that it will degas too much, and you lose that freshness, you gotcha. lose that that ability to create that beautiful crema. And this is something that you know capsules solve. Yeah, obviously, and that's probably why I much prefer the Nespresso. Well, not Nespresso, but the capsules. Yeah. Is there a difference between, say, Dolce Gusto, Nespresso, and, you know, there's quite a few of these makes out there. And to be honest with you, I don't really know much about a lot of the other systems. Right. Um, I know about the Nespresso system because that's the one that we use in making capsules. So we use the Nespresso compatible capsules. It is the most widely used system. Yeah. And I I think it's great. Um, So I... I really should research a little bit more about others. I, to be honest, I don't know. I that. I'm assuming they're using similar technology, but you know, I don't. I don't want to. Know, I don't want to say something that I don't no, know. No, that's I fine. like to say things that I know, and when I don't know, I just say, "Hey, I don't know." All right. As um, I'm a bit, I love my coffee, um, and I wanted to ask a couple of things um, on the roasting side of beans. Yes. So you have the raw bean picked, sure. which we know about, but there are different ways of roasting a bean, aren't there? Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about this. What, what is the normal way of roasting a bean? Sure. So what happens is is that when you roast the bean, I mean, you're, roasting is cooking, if you think about it. So you're cooking the bean, and you, it's like imagine a chicken. You know, you're roasting it over time, longer and longer, yeah, yeah. and so on, yeah. right? Or or meat and so on. Yeah. So what happens is in the beginning, I mean, I think the best example is meat, actually. Okay. So if you take meat, which is very very high quality. And normally you roast it quite light, you know, it's pink in the center, it's juicy, it's bloody, and you can really taste those really, really delicious uh, flavors. And when you have meat which is very, very poor, you tend to have to roast it darker and longer, and then it tastes a bit better because it's not, it doesn't have those really, really delicious um, flavors inherent within it. And I think that's pretty much the same kind of thing that happens in coffee. When you're looking at the top end of specialty arabicas, we tend to uh, roast them somewhat lighter than you would um, uh, commercial grade coffees. Uh, commercial grade coffees, you normally ro- roast them much darker in order to hide those imperfections. The problem is, is that while you're hiding imperfections, at the same time you're introducing a very, very roasty, kind of like a smoky, ashy, burnt-like taste. Like the bitter taste. Yeah. And so what you'll find with with better roasts and better coffees is that they're not as bitter, they're not as burnt. Yeah. And that's, I think that's primarily the, the difference. Now, every coffee has its own roast profile and needs to be roasted differently. Roasting uh, takes, um, um, it's a quick process, it takes about 10 to 16 minutes. So you need a good roast master to be able to say, you know, this is the right profile for it, the right temperature, the right number of minutes that we should keep the, the coffee roasted. And essentially what you want to do is you want to have a coffee that is full of flavor, full of sweetness on the one hand, and 
you want the bitterness and the acidity of the coffee to be balanced. Yeah. So what's bad is if you try the coffee and it tastes really, really sour, or if you try the coffee and it tastes really, really bitter. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. A good roast is one which is balanced. It's a bit like again, it's a bit like uh, wine. You know, yeah. if you have if you have coffee that tastes like uh, sorry, if you've got wine that tastes like alcohol or just tannins or yeah. just fruit, and it's not balanced, it's just not going to taste good. And the same thing for coffee. So the blend again. Would it be possible to buy raw beans and actually put them in your oven and roast them yourself? I don't know if the oven is the right way to, to roast, but there are certain roasters that can be bought for, that you can use at home. There is one, there's one little machine called the Kawa, and they, they produce it in two, it, they produce it in two uh, variants. One of them costs, I think, 1,500 quid. Right. And that's the home user's one, and then they have one which is for professionals, and that's about a 3,000 pound machine right. and it allows you to roast uh, 50 gram samples of coffee and you can create okay. your own uh, your, your own, own roasted coffee at home. It does stink a lot. My wife doesn't like it when I do it at home. Oh, you've got one, have you? Yeah, of course. Well, I need to. I mean. <laughs> so where do you buy the green beans, the fresh beans from? So um, where I buy them or where no, anybody where, can where, buy them? If I wanted to go out tomorrow and buy okay. myself this machine, where would I buy the beans? Right, right. so for, for the, particularly for the cower, they sell it themselves. They sell their own beans that they, they've sourced and they're selling it with the machines. But normally I don't think it's uh, very easy to find uh, uh, companies that will sell you green beans. You can certainly not get it in supermarkets. No, I've there never are, seen it. I think there are certain online vendors that will allow you to buy certain green beans. Um, essentially, yeah, I mean, that's that's... That's pretty much yeah, it. So when it's it comes to, find. to home users, yeah. But at the end of the day, if you really wanted to go to the extreme, it could be done. It could be done, yeah. And you know what? Even as a company, I'm not, if somebody phones me up one day and says, Amir, you know, I bought myself an Ikawa and I'd like to buy some green beans from you, I'll probably sell it. Even though we just do <laughs> capsules for home users. I mean, you know, it, we do that for the trade. So, for example, one of the options that we do with Michelin restaurants is we say to them, look, we have the possibility of um, giving you green beans and you can get an Ikawa and roast the coffee yourself in the restaurant or we can roast it for you or we can give you capsules. It really depends on, on the restaurant and, you know... That's kind of cool. So, for us, it really doesn't make any difference. Ultimately, it's down to the quality of the beans. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people pay too much uh, attention to the brewing method, you know, which machine you're using and so on, but it's ultimately down to, to the so beans the that bean you buy. Comes from. Yeah, I mean, you can have the best machine in the world, the best grinder in the world if you're going to buy crappy coffee. Yeah, crappy beans. It's not, and... not going to taste good. And yet, you can have a mediocre machine with a mediocre grinder and you buy some amazing uh, beans and it's going to yeah. taste delicious. I've got to ask you something about the beans, and I'm sure people listening to this have probably gone, Andy, ask him, ask him. There <laughs> is a thing, apparently, where monkeys eat the oh. beans and then they poo them out, and then people pick these up and sell them for thousands of pounds because apparently, once they've been through the monkey, they taste even better. Is this true, Amir? Yes and no. So Yes and no. Yeah, let me let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. This is something I get asked often and it's something that I myself when I started Difference Coffee I was really curious about and we yeah. sell this coffee. So it's actually not a monkey, it's a civet cat. And the story or the original story goes is that back in the day in coffee plantations once a year you would have the pickers during the harvest they would pick the, the ripened cherries. Yeah. But then you would all, they would also find on the floor 
droppings of civet cats that would eat the the cherry so coffee essentially is a cherry and inside the cherry you have the two beans right so what they would do is they would eat the cherry and they would poop the beans now when they when they did it initially when they discovered it they decided you know maybe we should you know wash it and dry it and roast it and see what happens and they discovered that the coffee was really delicious that was you know back in the day and the reason why is twofold number one the civet cat would only eat the cherries which are most ripened oh okay yeah and secondly uh, the enzymic reaction in the stomach of the cat lowers the bitterness of the coffee okay now when it's done in the wild it can actually be a really really nice coffee the problem is that if you look at you know 2019 most of this coffee it's called kopi luwak is actually fake Kopi luwak. So kopi is coffee, yeah. and luwak is the civet cat. Civet, civet cat. Civet. Civet. It's a wild. It's a wild cat. A civet. Yeah. So, so it can most of the time it's fake. The second time, the second, uh, secondly, a lot of people they go to Bali and they go to Indonesia and they try the coffee, but they try that in farms where they cage the animals. So they give them to eat whatever people want and. Their, oh, you know, terrible. their enzymes are not going to be. In. So, you know, they're going to come out with coffees which are not exactly really delicious. Yeah. What we do at Difference is something that goes a step further. First of all, we always buy it from wild animals and not in cage. Of course, we pay more for that. But secondly, and most importantly, once it's been, you know, collected and washed and dried, you then have to sort it according to specialty grade versus non-specialty grade. <laughs> so when we buy our coffee. We will only ever buy it if it is of specialty grade, meaning that it scored at least 80 plus points. Yeah. And those points are given to fragrance, aromatics, etc., etc. So our one will be tasty. But most of the copyluck in the world is kind of really bad. And I personally <laughs> would not like to try it. You know, knowing what I know. Knowing what you know. Knowing we what I know, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't catch it unless I knew where it's from. And because I know where I'm getting all of my coffee. I can certify what I do. Yeah. But it's, you know. So it's not worth me going out and buying a load of cherries and then getting local cats to eat my beans and then not sifting through the cat poo. Not quite the same thing, no. <laughs> there is another, there is another um, uh, coffee. I think it's called Black Ivory. I've never tasted that, but I think they force elephants to do the same. They reckon they can probably get more, you know, more coming, more coming out of an elephant, right? <laughs> but the thing is, is that I don't like interfering with nature. Elephants don't eat coffee cherries. Civet <laughs> cats will eat the coffee cherry. So if it's done the way nature has intended it to be, yeah. it's okay. But otherwise, I, you know, I start to so try to stay clear. The moral to the story is don't feed your elephant cherries. Absolutely. Because if he farts, you'll get shot. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right, shouldn't go there with that one. Let's change the subject slightly. Um, world's best coffee beans, yes. in your opinion. There are obviously. When I go to the supermarket, again, I'm looking at, you know, Sumatra, I'm looking at, um, then I'm looking at Brazil. Um, I mean, I presume this is just down to taste, or are there certain countries that do produce better coffee? Well, certainly, um, when you look at coffee and you look at different coffee growing regions, 
And I always say, you know, you, if we look at wine, you have amazing French wine and you have crappy French wine and you've got True. amazing... Normally Ameri- what they send us. Yeah, well, <laughs> you've, got <laughs> a, no more. you've got great American wine, you've got great Spanish wine, and you've got some poor wines as well. And I think it's the same thing for coffee. You've got some... And in all coffee producing countries, you've got some estates which are amazing and you've got estates which are quite poor. And so what we try to do is we try to buy the best from each country. Now, we're very lucky in the industry that we've got a national competition. So, for example, in Panama, and they have a competition once a year called Best of Panama. In Hawaii, they've got something called the Kona Coffee Cupping Competition. Wow. Uh, elsewhere in the world, they've got a series of competitions called Cup of Excellence. And there they try to... Number one, identify the highest scoring beans in each country. Yeah. And number two, they take all the winners and they put the, the winners, the, the lots, in, into auctions. And they allow roasters like myself to, to bid for these coffees. So what I've been doing in the last couple of years is basically buying a lot number ones, the champions, the, the very, very best coffees from each country. Wow. So, you know, other than that, it's really down to, to taste. I mean... So this is like the Miss World of the coffee pretty industry. Pretty much, absolutely. And who normally wins, like, overall? Um, or is it, it all local? In terms of... Um, is there a world? No, 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 no. It's, it's every year, it's, um, the program is done according to region. So, okay. so um, you know, you, you might have um, Best of Panama, I think it happens around June time. Yeah. And then you've got uh, a Cup of Excellence Brazil happens December and Kona happens in November, so it's really down to where, when harvest is. Oh, okay, and I that can... varies according to where it is in the world, obviously. Absolutely. Now, if you want to know what was, because I get asked that a lot, so is there a coffee which is better than the others? Yeah. I can only say that there has been, um, from all of the competitions that we've bought from, the highest scoring coffee ever in any of these competitions was last year, 2018, in Panama. Uh, best of Panama competition and there was one geisha coffee from a farm called Elida and it scored 94.66 that's the highest score ever to be given in a competition and we bought it we bought some of it we shared it with a few other roasters because yeah. the price was incredibly high yeah. we, we paid 601 dollars per pound so that's about a lot of money well when you roast it it's about 1800 pounds per kilo and that was my cost, you know, at origin. You know, eighteen hundred pounds per kilo, and there's only a, and there's only a hundred pounds in the world. Do you know how much I spend on a kilo of coffee? Yeah, probably like a tenner, right? Yeah, <laughs> eighteen hundred pounds. Yeah, it's, it's so when you drink it, this is like every the sip is like Don yeah. Perignon sixty-four. You know, well, think actually, you know, I, I calculated it would probably be a cup of coffee would be about fifty quid or so. Oh, the, th- the thing is, if you look at you know, if you look at it as a drink, yeah. And you look at other things like certainly wine or even the best or the most expensive teas in the world, they're more expensive than that. I so, never knew that. So, you know, well, the wine, yeah, but tea, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, you've got some very, very old uh, puer wine, uh, coffee, uh, teas, which you know sell for thousands and thousands as well, and people buy them. So, actually, even the best coffee in the world is still cheaper than all other beverages. So, Can you imagine, like, you were roasting it, and it suddenly, like, I don't know, the power went or something. I know, right? You'd I have mean, a heart attack, wouldn't that's you? It, that's <laughs> it. Game over, and there's nothing you can do. Or the cat comes in and starts <laughs> eating it. <laughs> even worse. <laughs> Well, that's, you know, you mentioned something really, really uh, important. You know, when I was uh, looking at, at a roaster to work with four difference, yeah. I really wanted to work with the best. And one of the reasons was that 
you know, like we said, what happens if something goes wrong? You know, yeah. one one minute over roasted, one minute under roasting, or anything, and you know, you, you cannot replace those beans. You know, no. they're competition winning beans. You cannot get any more if you bought them in auction. And so yeah, so we 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 found um, a roaster who's head judge for World Barista Championship and World Brewers Cup, and he's a licensed Q grader, fully licensed actually. So he's making one of only five in the whole of Europe. So he's amongst one of the best roasters on earth. So. I'm very Amazing. proud to work with him and get the roasting done for difference because it's not just about the beans but also about the perfect roast. Can I swear at you a minute? I want to get your feelings on this. Go on. Instant coffee. Oh. <laughs> Do you ever drink it? Well, I've tried it a few times. <laughs> I've tried it. Surely you could be somewhere in an airport or somewhere and you can't get anything else, just that horrible well, it, instant coffee. So, so what happens in instant coffee, I don't know much about it, but a little that I know is very simple. It's a very, very cheap blend, which contains a lot of Arabica. Yeah. Not decaffeinating, sorry. And uh, creating instant coffee is not an efficient way of producing coffee. It's actually, it takes, I think it takes about four times the amount of coffee to produce one portion. Really? Yeah. So when you lose so much, you can only use very, very low quality beans. Right. Um, I know there are certain companies that are trying to create specialty coffee, which is. Uh, yeah, well, we've got these which new ones dried. come out now. They're called. I'm going to mention the name there because I've been. Yeah, I've tried it myself the other day. It's called Azira. I've not tried that. Um, I can't remember who makes it, but mm-hmm. I think it's quite a well known name. But, you know, it's a lot more. We're talking five, maybe even six pounds for a small tin. Okay. But my way of thinking is I can get two, you know, a good, decent bag of beans for that money. Mm-hmm. I won't probably get as much coffee. But when they claim that that tastes as good as an espresso, which in my opinion is bullshit, there's no way an instant coffee can taste like well, freshly it, brewed coffee. You, you, you cannot, I mean, um, yeah, of course you can't. But the, the other thing is, is that instant coffee will, will make a filter coffee essentially to make a watery coffee yeah whereas an espresso is a extraction which is done under pressure yeah. so it's a completely completely different drink that dissolves solids and it has more of a mouthfeel so of course you can never get that taste it's using instant coffee it? yeah. it's a completely different brew method absolutely well, at least we both agree on that one well That's it's good. just science it's you know the facts yeah it's obvious don't drink instant coffee it, wasn't it invented for astronauts I heard. Could have been, I don't know. Frozen coffee, I don't know. Anyway, we won't go down that route because <laughs> we haven't got the right uh, the, the right knowledge from that one. Um, yeah, the other thing, you said about the um, producing a coffee under pressure. Now, yep. this brings me on to another subject, which a lot of people, I'm sure, would like the answer. When buying a coffee machine, yep. let's forget the Nespresso's because it does it all for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of people say, right, it's got to be so many bar pressure yep. to produce the best crema, you know. Yeah. Is this true? And what bar should we be looking at? Pressure? Yeah, I mean, all of the machines operate on a nine bar pressure. Nine bar? Pretty much, yeah. All right. of them. So, you know, even when they say that they have higher bar pressure, they limit it to nine bar extraction because if you try to pump it under more pressure, it just doesn't brew well. Okay. So nine bar, I mean, you can manipulate it a little bit up and down, but it's about nine bar. And the machine is not that important, and I'll explain why. Essentially, um, 
if you think about it, you take the coffee, you grind it, you put it in the porter filter, and any machine can produce an hour in the bar pressure. Yeah. If you're a coffee shop and you need to be making lots and lots of coffees all the time, you want the machine to be very sturdy, you want it not to break, you want the, you know, and you need to do it over and over and over yeah, and over and over yeah. again, and you need a few group heads, you need one boiler for the coffee making head. Yep. You need another separate boiler for the milk steaming one. Yes. And you've got machines that have two or three of them. So you need literally you can have sometimes six or so yeah, boilers I've seen them inside in the big a machine. Shops. Yeah. For a coffee shop, yes, it's really, really important which machine you buy because you want it to you want it not to break and you need that consistency over and over again. And you gotta turn it around quickly. Yeah. However, when you're at home yeah. and you're just making one cup of coffee, mm-hmm. The difference is minuscule. Right. The difference is, of course, there is a certain level of coffee machine that you need to buy for it to, to, you know, you don't want a machine that breaks or that doesn't perform or that it says on the on the box that it does, well, but then it doesn't. But yeah, you say this. I had a machine. Um, it was given to me on test. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll say what the machine was. It was a Cuisinart. Okay. Okay. Um, it's an American brand. Yeah. And that lasted me for two years and used to make wonderful coffee. Yeah, fair enough. That unfortunately ended up breaking. Uh-huh. It came to the end of its life, yeah. but it had a good season, yeah. shall we say. Then I bought a 90 pounds coffee machine uh-huh. with no bar pressure thing on it, nothing. Just a you know a bog standard little thing that you put the coffee uh-huh. in, uh-huh. like in the coffee shops. Yeah. Now, I don't believe that that compares to the three four hundred pound machine I had even though you're saying it's got the same bar pressure what's the difference this is what I'm trying to ascertain I know it's cheaper but is there a reason it's cheaper there normally is there's a lot of reasons why machines can be cheaper yeah uh, you know it's down to the build of the machine and but the, the point is is that when you're looking at bar pressure bar pressure the nine bar pressure is the equivalent of taking your thumb and moving um, any object that weighs 10 pounds with it. So you're not talking about... That's tre- well explained. <laughs> yeah, you're not talking about a tremendous amount of pressure, actually. When you say nine bars, when you're thinking about it, it yeah, sounds yeah. like a lot of pressure. It's not that much. Yes, there is pressure, of course, but it's not crazy. And, and most machines, I mean, even, you know, an espresso machine yeah. works with nine bar pressure and it's a little kind of plasticky thing, so... Is that why you hear that pop when it goes... And well, yeah, I mean, you hear that pop because of the pressure coming in from the water and it yeah. pops the, the, the capsule, of course, yeah. or the, 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 the aluminum in the front. So that's, that's why you hear the pop. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, today, if you, you, you know, if you look at it, it's also a question of timing. You know, I mean, if you look at televisions 10 years ago and you look at televisions today and you look at costs. Oh, my God, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. you know, back in the day, you used to... To spend yeah. thousands on expensive TV. Don't remind now, me. Now I just bought a sixty-five, you know, sixty-five inch for a thousand quid. You know, I know so, it's crazy. So it's so cheap. Yep. So te- as technology is evolving, everything is becoming cheaper. So yeah. what you bought for four hundred pounds a few years later could be worth a hundred pounds, and well, you know, there's yeah. No- to my way of thinking, I was similar to your thinking that it was just down to the pressure, you know, and producing a good. At the end of the day, it does what it says. It makes me a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. and it makes individual coffees. It hasn't got all the... It's got a, a steamer on the side, but I never even use it because I mostly drink espresso. Yeah. So for me in the morning, it's just a nice espresso, and it still works, and 
it gets clogged up every now and then, but it's not the end of the world. You know, if you clean your machine and you take care of it, and it's of reasonable quality, you can produce some really good coffee if you use great beans. But I don't need to go out and spend a thousand pound on a coffee machine when I can buy one for a hundred quid. Actually, you know, funnily enough, what's really important... No, no, it's not the machine, it's the grinder. The grinder is the the more important one, not spin wine. I've got a grinder. So, yeah, but, you know, there's grind, you know, you've got 50-pound grinder, 100-pound grinder, 1,000-pound grinder. I've got a burr mill. (laughs) Now, you know what that is. When I say that to people, they go, you've got a what? I've got a burr mill. Now, a burr mill is a grinder, as we know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course. But what is the difference in grinders? Um, Well, basically, the difference in grinders is the uniformity. You've got to be careful here, because in the UK, it means a completely different thing. Oh, yeah, well, we're not going to go there. (laughs) Anybody listening in the UK, got nothing to do with what you're thinking about, okay? We don't get those... Yeah, never mind. Carry on. (laughs) Go on, Amir, tell me. Different app. (laughs) Completely. Yeah, so um, when we're talking about the quality of uh, the grinders... <laughs> He's lost it now. I shouldn't have put him on that train of thought. I know, right? You know, if you're on grinder, there's different qualities. <laughs> Don't go out and waste your money on a bad quality grinder. Yeah, of course. <laughs> go on, so sorry. It's, it's to do with the uniformity of the um, of the end um, uh, grind uniformity. So wh- what I mean by that is as follows: when you grind coffee, it will produce small particle sizes, and what you want is for all of them to be more or less the same size so that the rate of extraction will be linear it will be the same for all of them the thing is is that when you grind the coffee you produce a certain amount of um, particles which are bigger than the rest and they're called boulders they're bigger and they will under extract compared to the rest and under extracted coffee is quite sour and then you will get all these little fine particle dust like and yep. they will they're called fines and they will over extract compared to the rest so the better the grinder mm-hmm. the more uniform the grind size okay. and the less boulders and grinds and, and fines that you will have okay so for example when i go to a coffee shop and um, i will always check out the grinder before i'll check the machine and if they have a really really expensive grinder i'll know that they probably care about their coffee more. And more, and then the machine doesn't really make so much of a difference. Ah, so that's what we should be looking for when we go in a coffee shop. Yeah. Check out the grinder. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, when we, uh, yeah, when we, um, I've got at home a grinder, for example, that cost me two and a half thousand pounds. It's the one that they use in, in, in you know, in the specialty coffee shops. But in the factory, when we make the capsules, we are using a roller grinder that cost, you know, close to a hundred grand. Oh my god. And because again, it's just it just makes it even better. You know, the more you spend, the better you can yeah. grind. But I've got one that goes um, thin, medium, or thick, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you can change in all these grinders, you can change the particle sizes. Yeah. But it, what you cannot change is the distribution of it. Ah, so okay. you can make it coarser, but it still will produce fines and it will still it. produce Sorry, boulders. Coarse, yeah. fine, and medium. Yeah, that's more to do with, with you know, what... Um, what sort of um, particles size you want for a certain extraction. So, for example, with an with a, um, espresso, because it's uh, such a quick uh, way of doing coffee, 25 to 30 seconds, you need to really, really um, ex- um, grind it really, really fine. Whereas, oh, really? whereas when you're doing a cafetiere, because the extraction takes four minutes or thereabouts, ah. you, you, course, you, you, you grind it coarser, 
to allow it to extract slow, more slowly. That's where I've been going wrong then, because I've been having it set on medium, thinking mm-hmm. that was what the normal was. Yeah. So really I should be on fine, Yep. and that we, will give me a more... So what will happen is, the way that you adjust the grinder is very simple. You, assuming that you know, you know, you kind of know what the level is, your recipe, let's say you put 18 grams or whatever of, of grams of coffee in and you want to produce, let's say, 50 grams of liquid. Yeah. You measure the amount of coffee that you put in, you press the button, and you see how long it takes to produce that type of coffee. If it takes 25 to 30 seconds, it was correctly extracted. If it takes, if it's quicker, it means that the coffee is under extracted and it's kind of like more sour. Right. And if it takes longer, it's it's uh, will over extract. And that's the way that you do it. A barista is there to adjust the grind size to make sure that the coffee extracts in the same time frame, which is 25 to 30 seconds. That's the ultimate sort of time that you should be... Pretty much, yeah. So as I push the button, I've put my coffee in, 25 to 30 seconds. Measure 25 to 30 seconds, you'll yep. see most of the time a lot of the coffees that people that people will extract will take 10, 15 seconds, it's under extracted, it's not very tasty. Unbelievable. And then you, then you just adjust the, grind, the grinder for a little but bit finer. You would suggest but between medium and thin, uh, not thin, fine. Well, I mean, you got it. You see, this is the thing. There is where the machine plays a difference. Different, different machines and different grinders will operate differently. So you need to adjust or dial in the grinder yeah. based on your setup. So yeah, mine's no... a dial one. You just turn the top. Yeah, but in general, uh, espresso is fine, and and uh, cafetiere is coarse. Brilliant. I've, I've learned so much just sitting here chatting to you in a coffee shop. There you go. You know, <laughs> could be more appropriate. Um, just quickly talking about your business sure. and what you do because mm-hmm. I mean you've been so helpful and explained a lot to people who are listening to this on how to make the perfect coffee yeah of course and I know so many people are into their coffee now um, you started this a number of years ago didn't you yeah your, explain a little bit to me what you do as a living I know right so um, what happened was um, I started Difference Coffee about four years ago now I would say Dif- Difference Coffee Difference Coffee yes yeah and, and I started it because, um, well, I, funnily enough, I wasn't such a big drinker before I started it. Well, I mean, I, you know, a little bit before because that sparked me, yeah. sparked my curiosity to start a business. But what happened was, um, I was a tea drinker, I wasn't a coffee drinker, and then we, my wife made us buy an espresso machine. Yeah. And I thought, well, here is a good opportunity to start getting into coffee and trying all of the different colors. Yeah capsules to see maybe there's one that I like better and I started it with um, drinking coffee with, with sugar and because I found the coffee to be too burnt and bitter and then over over time I got somewhat accustomed to the taste and then I would go to coffee shops and restaurants and hotels and most often than not the coffee was worse in, a, in, in hotels than it was you know in a, in a, capsule, in yeah. a capsule at home so I was really curious um, you know what's the best coffee out there is there such a thing as the best coffee and i saw that you could buy those empty capsules on amazons and you can fill them up with some with 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 coffee yourself and i thought wow that's a good idea why don't i go to harrods and i'll buy some Luwak or jamaica blue mountain and i'll put it in the capsule and see what it tastes like and and i ended up going to harrods and doing just that i just didn't buy Luwak because it was two thousand pounds a kilo so i ended up buying some kona coffee from hawaii which was only 200 pounds a kilo so i bought 100 grams for 20 pounds (laughs) and i put it in a capsule and i put it in the machine press the button and out came a drink which was substantially tastier 
and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I mean, this is so much more elegant, so much more delicious than... So that point, what you must been, have thought, I wonder if anybody's actually doing this. Absolutely. Well, the thing is, I, I was really annoyed because I really wanted to drink those sort of exotic specialty coffees and I couldn't. So I went online to see if anybody was selling those sort of things and nobody was. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll maybe I should invest a little bit and create a little brand that will buy those best coffees and put them in capsules. And um, that was the, the, the idea behind it. The only problem, I didn't know anything about coffee at the time, which was a problem, you know, if you are creating coffee, constantly yeah, you don't know anything about it. So that's where I did my research. I discovered that you've got a grading system and especially Arabica and so on. And then when I discovered that you could actually, or I could literally go and bid in auctions for the world's best, uh, that, that got me really hooked because I was like, wow, I can really create the so world's you, best coffee shop. As a novice, yeah. you were allowed to bid on the world's best coffee beans. Um, well, I needed to have been a bit... Um, uh, <laughs> what happened was, it was quite funny actually, because you, uh, all of these competitions and stuff, you need to come in, you need to be vetoed and so on. So I started a business and then I sort of had to beg. Ah. And, and they sort of gave me limits in the beginning. They said, okay, you're only allowed to, to bid on one lot and we'll give you a limit of 20,000 pounds or something. And I was like, okay, so I just bought one. And then they saw that, uh, so then I bought it and I made some capsule with it and I sold it. And uh, they saw that I was a play, you know, they saw that I was for real. And yeah. um, I remember in the beginning, uh, so now the best coffees in the world are bought by us. And they're also sometimes bought by the Japanese. So there are some roasters in Japan that buy as well the world's best. And what happens is a lot of the time the, the winners are split into two. So I get one lot and they get another. Or we sometimes bid together and we split them. But I remember in the beginning I wanted to split the coffees with them and they wouldn't allow me. To, they just ignored me. <laughs> so I bought everything myself. And, nice. then after, and then afterwards they saw that I was a real player and uh, they, they collaborated with me and now we're all friends. And so you heard that first, guys. He's a real player. <laughs> and been interviewed by the player. Well, so there you go. You know, I mean, you, you, you got to play the game if you want to win. And, you know, it's... Uh, that's so along the line, in four years, you've learned everything from scratch, really. I, I wouldn't say that I know everything. I mean, I still, of course, work with people who are much better than me. You know, you know our master, uh, master roaster and the two graders that I work with and all the people that do all the auctions, etc., etc. So I rely on people who are better than me. But that said, I, of course, I know the, the truth about coffee. I know the, what, yeah. what the real facts are. You know, everything that I shared with you today are things that you can just Google online. You know, the competitions like Best of Panama or Cup of Excellence, these are not things that I've invented. Those are things that were available to the trade, but were primarily bought only in Asia, in Japan. And now I'm making those rarest coffees in the world available to anybody with a discerning taste and an espresso machine. And so where can we buy this? Can we buy direct from you? Yeah, so because of the limited supply of these coffees, yeah. we only sell it through our website. And the way that we do it is we allocate the coffees to people that come in, log in, create a password. So they become essentially like, like, a, member. like a club member, even though we, we don't charge for that. So then we will give you certain allocations of a few coffees. And if you buy regularly, then every time we have a, even a rare coffee or a small release, so for example, next week, we are releasing three tiny micro lots that will basically be, one of them will be 300 boxes, right. the other one will be, I think, three, and one of them will be 400 boxes. So literally... How many capsules in the box? 10. 
but literally only three or four hundred people in the world are going to be able to drink this particular coffee. Wow. Now, if you think about it, and now we have to leave a few for the chefs as well because we supply a lot of the Michelin restaurants and so yeah. on. So essentially, there isn't a lot of these coffees out there. So what we do is we reward or we allocate the coffees to our most loyal customers. And I think that's the, the Fair fairest and, yeah. and the best way to do it. So, um, so yeah, it's all location-based and that's why we sell primarily online or, or I say exclusively online. Um, because it allows us to to reward those that sure. that are real drinkers and really enjoy. Well, you got to say it while we're chatting. What's the website where you can go to? Uh, difference Coffee. Uh, so Difference uh, Coffee one one word dot com. Okay. Yep. And um, just go on and register, and yeah. then start buying coffee. Yeah. Can they ask questions about coffee? Is of there course, like a forum? Yeah. Or? Well, there's no forum, but I mean, my, there is an email there which is info at Difference Coffee, and all the emails go directly to me. Okay. I'm very, very hands-on, and um, every single question that I've had so far, I've answered. And I like answering, and you know, from time to time, I'll get something that I don't even know, and it makes me go and ask and learn myself, and either improve cool. or get an answer to it, you know? So, you <laughs> and know, you only do pods? So yeah, well, for 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 customers, we do only pods because, again, that's the most efficient way of doing it, and sure. everybody yeah. uses uh, capsules. For the trade, however, we work with, like I said, with Michelin restaurants, and we, and because they're regular clients, you know exactly yeah. how much coffee they need every week and so on. It's regular orders, so we are able to give them whatever they want. So yeah. we, we we do do uh, roast beans. For, for chefs. I mean, and they grind them themselves and make the coffee that we drink in their restaurants. Yeah. I so mean, when I go into a restaurant, if it's a good one, I can say, do you have different coffee? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, if, if, you, if you go, for example, to Annabelle's. Annabelle's, so, yeah, yeah, in so London. We, so yeah. so uh, we do all the coffee there. Okay. So they've got three coffee stations and they bought some of the best Lamarzoka machines. We They have four, four or five full-time baristas. All of them have been trained by specialty uh, coffee association certified trainers, so the, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Because I really, really care about the quality, so I want people to really enjoy it. And you know, if the coffee is not good and people complain, they complain about me, right? So. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it's your reputation on the line. At absolutely. The end of the day. So, I'd, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, make sure that everybody knows what what they're doing. So. I mean, Annabelle's is obviously a members club, and yeah. if you're not a member, is there anywhere else in London a restaurant yeah, or somewhere course. you can go and try your coffee? No, absolutely. So, um, if you. Go for example to uh, La Dame de Pique, uh, one Michelin star, and Anne Sophie Pic. She's a seven Michelin star chef that we work with, so our coffees are there. And if you go up the road here, a restaurant called Texture. Texture, yeah, you know, I know one, texture. one Michelin star. They use uh, some of our Jamaica Blue Mountain and Geisha coffee. And any, any in America? Or? Uh, no, we haven't started in America yet, even though we supply to one winery okay. in, in Napa called. Um, um, well, it's actually two wineries. It's the Jackson family, so Locoya and Cardinale. So really, really top end Napa. They, they, I collect some of their wines, and they came to me and said, "Can we buy our coffee?" And I go, "Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, sure. Why not?" <laughs> so, well, you know, you're supporting us. We'd like to support you. And I thought that was nice. You know. Is there anyone um, famous you're allowed to say drinks your coffee or buys your coffee? Oh, wow. or you've got to keep that secret, I suppose. Uh, look, um, what I can say is, I do have. Of course, celebrities. I do have uh, royal families. Yeah. A lot of royal families from the Middle East, in particular. We actually supply all of the coffee for the Four Seasons in Bahrain. So we we have a lot of customers from the Middle East. And um, I suppose the ones that I can say, 
are those that have posted stuff online of yeah, us. Yeah, that's right? good. So, yeah. uh, I suppose. Um, um, oh my god, because I'm so bad with names. I'm sorry oh, for don't me. Don't worry, because you, you were embarrassed the, yourself. No, no, I don't no, want to do that. No, well, you have um, James Haskell, the rugby player. Yes. So, James so, Haskell, so yeah. he's a big fan of Difference Coffee. He posts a lot and um, brilliant. We like James. Yeah, he's, he's a, a he's good a, English a, rugby player. No, but he's, he's a he's a massive coffee geek. We met up once <laughs> actually and. I had a chat with him and he, he tried to create um, a coffee company once called Angry uh, Squirrel <laughs> and it didn't come out to the end, I don't know why, That's probably he was, too, he was too busy, yeah it's an awesome name and the guy is just amazing, <laughs> such a such a funny guy, I love his sense of humour, but he understands coffee too so he's a big fan of ours. Who is or where is the weirdest or strangest place you've ever sold coffee? I'm just going to sum this up guys because I know we've been going on well over 20 minutes now and I don't want you drifting off in the background there so just summing up, where, where, one of your weirdest places you've had to send your coffee pods to is there like, I mean you say royal families obviously there's protocol and there's security and things like that because anything could be in them. Does well, someone test them first? Uh, well, I don't Do you know. have a royal tester? Well, I mean, we dispatch everything using DPD or sometimes international with DHL, so yeah. we let them worry about this stuff. They worry about it when yeah, they get yeah. it. I don't think there's been anything... Uh, Where's the most remote place you've ever sent coffee to? Is it someone living in some <laughs> island somewhere? Well, I mean... Does Richard Branson have coffee sent to him on Necker? Um, he hesitated then. Mm. Aha, see, I might have hit a nerve, but we'll leave that one. <laughs> well, I don't want to incriminate certain Don't people. incriminate anyone. <laughs> they spend an awful amount of money on coffee. Um, speaking of money, I mean, buying coffee pods from you, obviously, yeah. is going to be more expensive than buying them from the usual sources. Yeah, of course. Because you're getting a, that special top percent. Yeah. I mean, are they a lot more this is for people who are listening thinking oh I'm going to go and buy some but yeah. are they going to get a shock are they well, like 500 put, quid so, for five so, 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 so let me put it in perspective if you look at the commodity coffee yes. the commodity price of Arabica it's about $2 a kilo Okay. Right. we buy coffees at average a few hundred dollars per kilo yeah so about so, 10 times the amount it's well a little bit more than that <laughs> for probably about a hundred times but uh, I'm trying to get a deal here guys <laughs> so our coffees you know if you look at a, a regular pod that costs around 30 pence our coffees cost around two pound fifty to, oh, to, to five pounds let's say yeah. but it's it's almost the same price of I suppose of going to a Starbucks or going to a Costa coffee and I was getting just going to evaluate you know that, yeah. that sort of stuff I think that, I think you know our coffee is more for people that would rather have the best at home or yes. in their office you know you wake up and you have the most delicious amazingly tasty drink rather than you know on the go taking something from a from a coffee shop and getting something which is not really really delicious so thank you that's kind that. of a difference but anybody can afford Costa coffee yeah. anybody can afford Nero or Starbucks or listen you don't buy a Ferrari can, if you can't afford to put the petrol in of course not but he but even here I mean anybody that can afford to buy coffee at a coffee shop can afford to buy my coffee. I was going to say, I spend probably, I buy two coffees a day when I'm out, that's five pounds. Yeah, pretty much. I'd spend that at home if it was if it was better quality than what I was getting in the I think, coffee shop. I think this was 380 so that will be more expensive than my Jamaica Blue Mountain. Oh my God. What we had here right now, so. And that wasn't, yeah, wasn't a speciality coffee, was it? No, it was Just a lot of the milk. It was, Arabica. It was a, lo a lot of milk. Listen to me, I know my stuff now. There um, we go. No, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure, Amir. Thank you so much. Thanks for um, having me. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls listening at the moment, 
what a fantastic guy Amir Gel um, thank you and if you want to know anything differencecoffee.com go and have a look there and as usual if you want to ask me or anything then usual channels straight through the website you know what to do thanks for listening and uh, catch you next time thanks Amir Cheers, thank buddy. you awesome